This episode is sponsored by ByHeart. And I feel like I need to preface what I'm going to say with this. I'm a huge advocate of breastfeeding. Anyone who knows me well knows that nursing is something I believe in. And all five of our biological children were breastfed until they were 19 to 23 months old. However, we also have fostered and adopted, and I've been so grateful for formula companies in those situations. I'm also grateful for formula companies because our last two biological children, I really struggled with my supply and did all the things, spent so much time and effort, and just was never able to produce enough for them to be able to gain weight and not be hungry. And so I was so grateful for companies like Byheart. Byheart is an infant nutrition company built from the ground up to deliver real innovation on behalf of babies and parents. Their mission is simple, make the best formula in the world. Using the latest in breast milk science, Byheart created a clinically proven, easy to digest infant formula that's made with organic, grass-fed whole milk, certified clean ingredients, and features a patented protein blend that gets closest to breast milk. They're made with certified clean ingredients. It has no soy, corn syrup, GMOs, or palm oil. Curious about Byheart? Redeem your welcome offer at byheart.com forward slash podcast with code crystal for a limited time. Additional terms and conditions apply. So go to byheart.com forward slash podcast and use crystal to get your welcome offer. Welcome to the Crystal Pain Show, where we help you embrace your life right where you are and give you practical steps to get to where you want to go. Whether you are in your car, folding laundry, cooking, cleaning, or maybe even just enjoying a cup of coffee and a few minutes of quiet, we're so glad you're joining us today. Here's your host, wife, mother of four, foster mom, entrepreneur, and author, Crystal Payne. Welcome to another episode of The Crystal Pain Show. Jesse, it feels cold down in the basement where we're recording today, doesn't it? Yep. The weather's really turned. It's like welcome autumn. Yes. And I'm loving it. Speaking of the weather turning, the book that I was going to talk about today kind of goes along with the colder theme, and it is a new book by Katie Ride. It's a novel called A Very Bavarian Christmas. And Say that five times back. A very Bavarian Christmas. <laughs> I'm here, you. No. <laughs> um, well, what is cool about this book is I got to read a pre-release copy because she asked me to endorse it. And it's my very first time to get to endorse a novel. So a fiction. Usually all the other books that I've been asked to endorse. That's pretty novel. <sighs> you bring in the dad jokes today. Wow. Um, which is the right button. Yeah, I got it. Um <laughs> She asked me to endorse it, and I'll just read what I wrote. I said, if you're looking for a holiday-themed read that will warm your heart but also make you think, this is the perfect pick. The storyline and characters draw you in from the get-go, and you'll find yourself relating to their struggles and cheering for their victories. And this book actually just released, and it is available at a averybavarianchristmas.com, or of course, we will link to it in the show notes. I have something that's saving my life this week that I am so excited to bring. It is so unoriginal, and yet I'm very excited about it because it's so delicious. And I think, Jesse, you're going to say that it's saving your life as well. Well, I had uh, 
good meal of oats and milk and some cocoa earlier too. So you stole what I was going to say. Those of you who follow me on Instagram, you've already heard this joke, but this morning I had a very healthy breakfast of oatmeal and milk. Only I added a little bit of extra add-ins. So some chocolate and some peanut butter and some sugar and turn them into no-bake cookies. Put them and in the freezer. They are the best. And y'all probably are very familiar with this recipe. I've heard it called lots of different things like lunch lady cookies. And um, there's some other church potluck cookies or something like that. If you have heard of the name for the no-bake cookies, let us know. You'll have to send me an email, crystal at moneysavingmom.com. But I was wanting something sweet yesterday. And the only thing that we had sweet in the house, basically, other than a boxed cake mix, which I didn't want to mess with having to, I guess I was too lazy. I didn't want to wait for it to cook and then have to make frosting. I wanted something quick. And the only thing that I could find was we had fruit and that just wasn't going to cut it. So I made the chocolate peanut butter, no bake cookies and have probably eaten them last night for dinner. I also had some other things for dinner, but I had them with dinner. I had them this morning for breakfast and I had a snack of them today. So they're really saving they're, my life. They're very good. Literally, they are very good. So we'll link to those in the show notes. I'm sure most of you already have the recipe, but maybe you just need to be reminded that if you, oh, and I failed to say the reason why I was making them and not something else, like a lot of times if I need something, a quick pick me up, I will just put peanut butter on a spoon with chocolate chips, but we were out of chocolate chips, which I know the travesty. We were out of chocolate chips. We were also out of eggs and we were out of so many other things that I usually would use. And so I love this recipe because it just takes basic ingredients that you usually have in the cupboard, like cocoa, peanut butter, butter, milk, and oats and sugar. And that's it. Wow. Today, we are going to be answering burning questions again. It has been a few months. I try to have us do an episode like this every quarter because you all just love it so much and we enjoy getting to do this. And the last time that we did this was in July. And so I realized as I was planning for what we were going to have as our podcast topic this week that it's time to do more burning questions that I actually had asked on Instagram. I'd done an ask me anything last week and I'd had a question box. I'm the money saving mom on Instagram. If you're not following me there, I'd love for you to follow me there. But there were a lot of questions that were submitted and some of them I thought these would be great for Jesse and I to answer together. I did give Jesse a heads up of what the questions were, but only a very, very quick heads up. We did not talk about... I don't know if I would call that a heads up. But well, yeah, I read okay. the questions to you very briefly, quickly, fast. And succinctly. And just to make sure that you're okay with all these questions, because there's a few that are a little, mm, shall we say, I don't know, TMI is not the word, but just, you know, people are curious. So... um Maybe some of you have wanted to ask these same questions and you hadn't worked up the courage. So we'll just tackle it be- today. So first off, we get to start with the softball question. Jesse, how old are you? Old enough. <laughs> no, we really need to make sure that we I just talk about, about said this. 39. You are not 39. But I'm not 39. You are in a different decade than me. 
I'm older and wiser. <laughs> 40. You're 40. Big four zero. And I am 39. And I just recently turned 39. So, so I was just robbing the cradle, I guess. For about two weeks, we get to, I get to say that you're two years older than mm-hmm. me because I was 38, but then I turned 39. So, all right. That was an easy question. Second question. How much longer do you think you may have champ? I don't know. It's still open-ended. Um, anywhere from weeks to months to year. I don't know. There's a lot that is pretty much constantly up in the air with mm-hmm. foster care. And we have learned that until you have a signed paper or you know something very definitive, mm-hmm. you never quite know. So our last court date, there things did seem to move forward somewhat in the direction of reunification mm-hmm. from what we can tell. But again, things are still pretty up in the air. What we've learned a long time ago was to live with open hands mm-hmm. and come what come and learn to roll with punches. So it's in, flexibility is the name of the game. So In foster care especially. And I think the other thing, the flip side of that is also to savor every day. Mm-hmm. And so knowing that Champ's time in our home may be coming to an end in the not too distant future. We've just really been seeking to savor every day, take lots and lots of pictures, keep lots and lots of records. And just, you know, I've been thinking of what are all those things that I would want to do while he's still in our home. And so there was a book that we're reading aloud that I want to finish. And we've been reading through Proverbs and I want to make sure to get through that and just, um, creating his photo book for him and some different pictures that we want to take and things like that. So um, we've just been trying to savor every day, but also not live with dread because mm-hmm. I think there's, there would be a tendency to be like just having that kind of heaviness over us at all mm-hmm. times of the sadness. And I think one thing I'm learning with foster care is you can hold a lot of emotions at one time. Mm-hmm. And so to not just sit, yes, acknowledge the sadness or the right. grief that is there. And, you know, for our kids, especially to make sure they're walking through that with them well in preparation for the future, but at the same time to not let that kind of dictate and strangle our joy. Because honestly, if you just sit in the sadness, you sit in the grief, you don't allow yourself to relish the good and see mm-hmm. the good and the, and the, Um, the joys that you'll experience in the little bit of time you have left. Okay. This question dives a little bit deeper and Jesse, I'm going to let you take this one away. This is how do you proceed when you're more than ready for kids, but your husband isn't quite ready? I think we've had some things in our life where we've been kind of in that boat, not necessarily with kids because I remember when we'd have this discussion about, well, are you ready to get married yet? You know, kind of thing. Not, I don't think we talked about that in before we started getting interested in each other, but 
Well, let's hope we didn't talk yeah. about, are you ready to get married before we were interested well, in you, each other? You, you, <laughs> what, are you, you, what are you just doing? You, Going up to well, random no, women? No, 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 no. You, you did come and say, hey, I want to have 15 kids before. Well, we- but I'm just saying, like, I'm a little concerned when you were, I mean, I liked you from the time I was really young. When you were 12, were you going around asking women, are you ready? I'm not girls. Are you ready to get married? <laughs> that sounds a little weird. You weren't supposed to know that. I think more, no, what, what I, was I was thinking say of foster that, care. That was one thing where. Well, what I was thinking as, as far as marriage goes, you're never going to be ready enough. Mm-hmm. Just take the jump, you know? Um, yeah. But I think this question is, how do you proceed when you're more than ready for kids, but your husband isn't quite ready? So you definitely don't want to have the, well, what's his problem? He needs to take the jump. Come on, come so jump with me. <laughs> and so I was thinking more with foster care. That was something that I really had a passion for and Mm -hmm. it took you longer to, you know, I was passionate about it, but you were pretty closed off because I, we talked about adoption and and I think more adoption than foster care. Yeah. I was going to say adoption. And so that was something that probably years ago I had approached the subject with you and Mm -hmm. you were not, you just weren't there at all. Right. And then we talked about it again a few years ago when we were thinking of doing infertility treatments and you, again, were very closed off to it. Mm-hmm. And I think for me, from my perspective, and then I'd love to, for you to speak from your perspective, but it was, I knew that if I nagged and pushed and begged and whined and I just did, get further did entrenched this, in my refusal. Oh, I was going to say that, probably I could passively aggressively kind of get you to be like, okay, fine, we'll do this. But that's never, ever, ever a good way to move into something, especially something that is as life-changing as pregnancy or adoption or foster care Mm -hmm. or something like that. I really feel like you have got to be on the same page. Oh, definitely. Because if you aren't on the same page and really feeling like God is calling us to this mm-hmm. when the hard times come, because they will, the bittersweet is going to come. It's just it's going to break, break you up. I've talked to so many people that are like, yeah, we would really love to do in this case adoption, but my wife is not wanting to do it when I want to do it. And then when my wife wants to do it, I don't want to do it. Mm-hmm. And that's a sign that you need to hold off. Mm-hmm. It's not God's timing yet. God will get you both on the same page when it's time to take the leap. Well, and I think praying Mm -hmm. and, you know, quietly seeking the Lord and occasionally being able to bring it up again. And by occasionally, I mean, I would say maybe once a year, (laughs) I mean, any more than that. And I feel like it becomes nagging, but, and then also I think I've learned to ask you to say, this is something that's on my heart. I know you're not open to it right now. How often can I bring this to you to ask you about it? And I appreciate that question. And then when I give you the answer of, you know, never or, <laughs> or you know, you know, talk to me in six months because we because that that's actually a discussion that we have had. And you say, well, when can I bring this up? I said, Three to six months. Mm-hmm. And you respected that, and I appreciated that. And I actually, this was a, on a different topic, but mm-hmm. something that we were having a conversation about and I had different feelings than you did and you were more of wanting to wait and pray and I was more wanting to take action and take action, which is typically our personality types. And, and it was so helpful for me to say, Hey, 
I, you said, I do want you to check in with me on this, but, um, I said, well, how often, what does that mean? And you gave me that time frame, and I actually went and I put it on my Google calendar as a reminder so that I was just like, okay, unless it comes up on my Google calendar, I'm not going to broach the subject. Mm-hmm. And so that might seem weird, but that's really helpful for me, someone who's such a go-getter to be like, okay, slow down. And I will say, looking back when it comes to foster care, looking back, I can see how God's hand was so in it. And you weren't ready until it was God's time for us Mm -hmm. to move forward with it. And had we moved forward sooner, we wouldn't have been ready. And so I just am grateful for your wisdom to wait. And I can see that God really worked through that. Okay, next question. Oh, let's just go there. What age do you feel it is appropriate to have the birds and the bees talk with kids? Two. But no, all, all kidding aside. Um, wait, wait, hold up. Two? Did you want to define your terms? Two, as in dos años. <laughs> no, I mean, you, you were joking. Okay. Yes, I was okay. joking. Okay. I thought, well, because I mean, when it comes to finances, <laughs> you're all like, we need to, or homeschooling, you know, we start teaching them as soon as they... When they're breathing, we're teaching them. That's been your mentality. No, so. I think it's it's more so at a maturity level, not an age. Mm-hmm. And because uh, I, I know with one of our kids, we've we had a discussion when they were what eight. I think with all of them, it's been somewhere around that age. And I think our approach has always been: we want to get out in front right. of them being curious, curious, and right. so. We, we are, don't want them going to the encyclopedia like you did. Or the internet now is where I think people would go innocently, just looking up words that you mm-hmm. didn't know what they meant. And then, yes, being <clears throat> quite horrified. Yeah. So I think for us, it's just been, we want to have the, we want to be the ones to have the conversation mm-hmm. with our kids. We but, want to control the situation in which they learn it too. But at the same time, I don't feel like they need to know more. Mm-hmm then they need to know. And so I think for each of our kids, it's been very much a gradual sort of thing. So you kind of have a very basic conversation Mm -hmm. and then say, do you have any questions? And then as things come up, which they do, then we will just talk more about that. And, you know, I just think as, as they ask questions, we've tried to be very, very, open and honest about things, but also not awkward. Even though sometimes you might feel super awkward inside, just never giving off awkward vibes to them to make them feel uncomfortable. Because I want our kids to feel like there is nothing that they can't come and ask us or talk to us about. So the less awkward I am, the less awkward they're going to be. Mm -hmm. And so making it just such a kind of, part of our conversations, not in an inappropriate way, but Mm -hmm. I just think of like how we've talked about, you know, women's cycles and and things like that. Like, it's just a very normal sort of, you know, with my pregnancy with Silas, especially we really talked to him. I had him, you know, see what was actually going on inside of me and look at the pictures and understand what birth is and understand what a placenta is and things like that, because I wanted him to know these things. And I think, you know, that kind of real life experience Mm -hmm. is, is so helpful and just normal. Right. 
Um, so that's, that's how we've approached it. But I feel like that, you know, it depends upon each child. Yeah. But also when you do have the discussion, normalize it and don't make, like you said, don't make it awkward because it's a beautiful thing and you approach it that way that it, God created it. It's a beautiful thing Mm -hmm. and take it from there. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think hand in hand, then we also have the discussion of the sacredness Mm -hmm. and that's something that, especially as they get older. And I think, you know, with our girls, a lot of their friends are in relationships and that, and so we've had lots of discussions around that and how to walk that out and what does that look like and how to set boundaries and what are your personal boundaries. And, and we've just really tried to have the conversations with our kids instead of being like, these are our rules. Right. And we actually don't have quote dating rules or things like that because it's just really going to depend upon the situation. And I can't say this is how it's always going to be because I just don't know. Right. But talking with them, walking with them, asking them, what do you think? And letting them come to conclusions as a result of seeing situations in their life and how things pan out and, you know, then helping them, And walking with them and talking to them. So just lots of communication. But I think the biggest thing for us has been that there is no question that is off limits and that we welcome their discussions, but we're also going to keep it age appropriate Mm -hmm. and think about their, their maturity level and their ability to carry, you know, what do they actually need to understand and know for the age that and maturity level that they're at. Next question. Any plans to travel internationally? Plans? No. Desires? Yes. Yes. Every time I get asked that question for COVID, have you been in another country for the last two weeks? I "I wish. (laughs) I just get a laugh. Yes. I I was thinking about when I went to my pelvic floor therapy and every time they would ask, have you been out of the country? And I was like, I was just in here two days ago. (laughs) If I've been out of the country, I mean, I kind of wish that I had jet set it off in the last 24 hours, but unfortunately, no, I've just been here in Tennessee. Yeah. I I don't know. It's, It's very, very odd for us to have a year where we're not traveling internationally. We were just planning to go to Europe this year because I was going to be having a baby and we thought, well, we'll just do a simple trip. And that was our plan. Go to London and Rome. But I don't know. I mean, I just, Mm -hmm. at this point, I just don't know. We want to be wise and careful. So we might have to extend out that goal of, I was thinking of this, of hitting all seven continents by the time Catherine graduates. We might have to extend that out a little bit, you know, to allow for the COVID interruption of that. Mm -hmm. And I'm okay with that because we had no idea what the last year was going to hold. And we have no idea how long it's going to be before it seems like it's a safe, wise thing for us to be traveling. And especially because our international travel is just for fun and adventure. It's not like a necessity. Right. Some of the international travel, like going to South Africa that we'd have to do, we can't do because the country's closed. Mm -hmm. So in fact, I, I was just thinking about that last week. We had fall break from our kids' school. And last year, during fall break, Catherine and I went there for the weekend. And I was just thinking, boy, that was quite the whirlwind trip. Mm-hmm. 
Are you saving for kids' college tuition? That is a yes and no. You know, there are several different um, plans that you can get saving specifically for college tuition, and we are not doing that, but we are saving for tuition if they do, do choose to go to college. Our approach has always been that college is not an absolute, and it's something that if our kids need it for whatever calling they have in their life, whatever passion that they are pursuing, then absolutely. And we are wholeheartedly going to support that, but that we don't see it as it's essential for success in life. And that's probably because I didn't go to college. And so you went to years of college because you became an attorney as well. I went years to college, not two years to college. Yes. Okay. Sorry. I said that. Well, see, I didn't go to college, so just bear with my poor grammar. So I think that a lot of the college savings accounts, you have to, it has to be, Mm -hmm. it's earmarked for college and you cannot use it for anything else. And so we wanted to save for our kids, but have it be flexible that they could use it if they wanted to, let's say, take a gap year and go do some type of mission work or an internship or something where they were going to need money, but it was going to be an experience that was going to give them skill sets for life. Mm-hmm. And so we just wanted to give more flexibility. And so with the three older kids, we actually funded their accounts and then mostly have just been. Yeah, I'd funded in a lump sum when they were quite young. Because we were able to do that. And with our savings and then we're just allowing it to accrue and mm-hmm. what's so the word? What's accumulate. the word? Accumulate. No, no, but compound interest. That's the word that I'm looking for. Funding it when they're young allowed it to grow pretty substantially, although mm-hmm. with the markets that, you know, can change some, but it has grown pretty substantially. And so we know that that's not something that a lot of people maybe are in the financial position to do, but because we were debt free, and live on less than we make, we're able mm-hmm. to set that aside when they're young. So we plan to do the same thing for mm-hmm. Kirsten when she gets a little bit older. Um, yeah. You were going to say something and I interrupted you. No, but I was just going to say that we wanted to be able to have the flexibility if they wanted to use it for a house, if they wanted to use it for a business, if they wanted to use it for something else other than college, instead of just being pigeonholed that this is earmarked for this one particular expense, because I want to encourage them also to get scholarships. If they're going to go to school. Yes. And that is something that we have talked with them about that we are expecting for them to pull their weight when it comes to college, Mm -hmm. that it's not just, oh, you get a free college tuition from mom and dad, but we're expecting you to work. We're expecting you to save money. We're expecting you to get scholarships and be proactive. And so we, you know, we're already working towards that end Mm -hmm. Um, because I think that that is something important. And I think for you to take ownership in your education and not just have it be fully funded by someone else, I think there is a level of responsibility that you have. I would say if you get something for free, you don't value it as much as if you actually have had to work for it and make sacrifices for it. So that's I know different people have different opinions, but that's kind of the way that we're coming at it. But we don't have, again, hard and fast rules for right. how it's going to go down. We're just kind of kind of wait child to child. Living with open hands. What is your favorite part of big kids? The relationships that we can have. Mm-hmm. You know, I enjoy having close relationships with them and getting to know their friends and 
living life with them. I was thinking the conversations, they make me laugh all the time from their text to their funny antics to their teasing of one another to their quick and witty comebacks. But then also, I think it's just so cool to see them pursuing their passions Mm -hmm. and to see them kind of growing their wings and stepping out in faith and taking on responsibilities. And I think it's just really cool to watch your kids stand alone and grow Mm -hmm. in confidence and have to seek the Lord and follow him and to watch that and just see their unique personalities blossom. has been really, really cool. And it makes me excited for Kirsten to think mm-hmm. what she can be like when she's 14. Mm-hmm. Next question. How are your kids doing in school this year? Any big adjustments? Well, they're all at the same school. So that's a big adjustment. A good adjustment. It's been a great adjustment. But it's different. Definitely different. Um, as far as big adjustments, just, I mean, COVID in and of itself is a big adjustment. and having flexibility going back and forth and with distance learning last year and they're in person now, but um, no, it's been a really good thing to have them all at the same school and seen a lot of growth out of all of them. Yes. And I, they've all just loved, I've seen this bond develop more closely between the three of them because of them all being at the same school, especially because mm-hmm. it's a small school and it's really tight knit school. Um, I would say the only other thing with COVID is just, you know, obviously they have a lot of rules at the school for things they have to follow and different protocols. And then there have been, you know, some of their friends have gotten quarantined because Mm -hmm. of being exposed because there have been a few cases of COVID at their school. They've done a really good job of walking that well and quarantining and all of that. But, you know, that changes the dynamics. Right now, I just was asking the girls, um, when I picked them up from school today, I said, is anybody, is anyone in the high school quarantine right now? And they don't think anyone is, so, oh, wow. but there had been a, I think 30 students, which is a huge number when it's a small high school. So that was a little, it was different because it was a lot of the people that they were good friends with were actually quarantined. So the school was just different for a little while. And then finally, can you share about your call to youth group and ministries? You know, I think I was thinking about this particular question. I don't know if it specifically received a specific call to youth group and ministry. It's just something I think that has flown out of flown, flowed out of being a parent mm-hmm. and coming alongside of our own kids. How can we do that for other kids as well? And I think for me, it started honestly with I went to camp as a chaperone because they needed an extra chaperone for one of the groups that it was Caitlin's group. And so I got to stay in the cabin and be a part of their group. And I loved it. And I had been in the women's ministry in our church the last few years, and it was a completely different sort of experience and just so much fun and high energy. And I realized, you know, I am kind of doing youth ministry, quote unquote, all day long, but I really, really love this. But at the same time, I was like, well, we were getting ready to step into foster care at that point. And I was still in the women's ministry at our church and just working full time. I was just feeling like, I just, you know, I'd love to do this, but I don't know that it's the right time. Mm -hmm. So then it ended up that they had an opening for a co-leader in that very same group that I had been in at camp. And as soon as I heard that, there was kind of this prompting in my heart, like, you're supposed to say yes. And And I just felt really strongly that that's 
you know, there was that prompting, but then I was like, ah, there's so much going on. I don't know. And then two of the moms from the girls in that group actually reached out to me separately and said, Hey, Crystal, you know, we just really feel like, you know, can you pray about taking this co-leader position? And it was just God's confirmation. I really needed that. Um, I felt like in this particular case, even though I'm usually a go-getter, I've been trying to be much more cautious in what I say yes to. And so I felt like God knew that I needed that extra kind of kick in the pants to be like, yes, Mm -hmm. I want you to say yes to this. And it's just been so cool to see how God has been so faithful, even though there's much going on in our life. um, He's been so faithful to give us just the grace and the strength to be able to show up well Mm -hmm. in our um, small groups. And I feel like there's been so much blessing for us in it. Not only is it just fun, it's something different in our week. And it's fun. You kind of feel like you get to be, I don't know, teenagers again in a little bit because you get to have all this high energy and excitement. Mm-hmm. And But I think at the same time, since we are parenting teens, we have the perspective of, you know, some of the things that the kids are going through and that sort of thing. I feel like it helps us to better understand, not that you can't be a great youth leader if you aren't parenting teens, but it just, so much of my world is parenting teens that this just feels like, like you said, an offshoot of that. And I'm just so grateful that we said yes. You know, as you were kind of replaying what led you to move in towards student leadership. And I was thinking about when we were growing up that there was one particular young man that really poured into me uh, as I was growing up and poured into a lot of the guys that I hang around with. And Honestly, that's kind of what I want to do to other guys that we're leading right now and um, taking his example and kind of passing it on. Well, thanks so much for joining us for another Burning Questions episode. As always, if you have any feedback or thoughts, we welcome it. You can send an email to crystal at moneysavingmom.com. Have a great week and we'll see you next time. Thank you for joining us today. For more great resources, please visit crystalpain.com.